0: Hi, This is Alex Romanovich, and welcome to Global Edge Talk. Today, we have a wonderful friend and an amazing small and medium-sized business pioneer and promoter, Melinda Emerson. Hello, Melinda. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm doing great. And um, one of the things that we wanted to immediately talk about is, first of all, you. I want to introduce you. You have been one of the leading voices, one of the um, very few leading voices in the small medium-sized business uh, arena. You have your own um, podcast, which is called Small Biz Chat, which is dedicated to helping women achieve this small business success. You're a book author. You have a couple of books, one of which, the notable one is Fix Your Business in 90 Days, uh, you have another book called Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're host of a small biz chat uh, media outlet and media channel. And you're also president of the Small Biz Lady Enterprises. Welcome to our show.
1: Thank you so much. Gosh, I don't know how I do all those things in a regular week. <laughs> well,
0: you're gonna, you're gonna, you will tell us. You will tell us how this is all done. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to congratulate you. Recently, um, you received an MBA from Brexel University. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. I graduated in June, and I just recently got my actual sheepskin with my degree on it. So very, very excited about that. That was something I always wanted to do. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. And so congratulations, and uh, you're also your background also contains some technical and technology stuff. You're a graduate of Virginia Tech.
1: Yes, uh, yes.
0: So we'll talk a little bit about this as well. So um, without a further ado, I would love to talk and jump into the favorite topic of yours, which is small, medium-sized business, and you know a lot of different topics. You know, it's an election year. It's just so much going on with COVID. Uh, you know, PPP grants and and loans, just so much going on for small, medium-sized businesses, good and bad. Well, most
1: of it is bad. (laughs) Most of it is (laughs) bad. Most of it is bad. Unless you're a cleaning company or sell masks, you've probably hit a speed bump, I would imagine.
0: Interesting. So let's talk about that. So what are you seeing out in the the market, first of all? Uh, What are you seeing from your clients? What are some of the issues they're bringing up right now to you. And, you know, I know you work with a lot of the large brands who work with small, medium sized businesses like uh, major banks and uh, financial services companies and uh, other major brands. What are they seeing? Let's talk about that.
1: Well, I think that, um, you know, as a small business owner myself and a small business coach, the biggest things that I've been hearing is, you know, people who have retail space or people even who have. Professional office space. You know, people are trying to figure out how to break leases, how to get out of paying these big, um, you know, monthly lease payments. I think that's that's one thing that I've been hearing about. Some people's landlords have been kind and and you know let people pay fifty percent of the lease. Some people, you know, they found out everyone else in their business in their building wasn't paying, but they were still paying. You know, like so people have been finding out that you know. Everything is not equal. Um, I think that for some small businesses that applied for PPP loans, you know, people were pretty disheartened the first time when they found out that $300 million went to corporations and not to the small businesses as intended. I also think people were a little bit taken aback that so many large organizations and nonprofits, you know, big universities got money and the Lakers got money. You know what I mean? It was just, it was, it was rolled out in the absolutely worst way possible. And, you know, only 5 million small business owners have even gotten PPP loans. And I think that's important to note because there is 28 million small business owners. I also think that, you know, one of the other things that I think it's important to point out is as of May, 41% of African-American businesses have already closed. They are shuttered. They will not have the opportunity to reopen, uh, let alone the health crisis that is upon us. I mean, myself, I recently lost an an uncle. He was only 63 years old. He had just retired and now he is gone and he left behind three daughters and three grandchildren. and, And, you know, so there's nobody at this point who doesn't know someone who had it or or know someone who lost someone who had it um and i think that has really affected everything about our lives and people's businesses and you know i i was just asked earlier today by someone you know they're going to finally open up philadelphia restaurants for in inside dining as of september 8th and they were like would you feel comfortable going? And my answer is absolutely not. I'm not stepping outside of my house till January, man. I'm not doing it. Um, I'm also not sending my kid to school. I'm not comfortable putting him on a school bus or public transportation and sending him anywhere. So whether or not they open the schools or not, it's inconsequential to me Um, my kid's going to go virtual until we get this thing under control, until there's a vaccine and a bunch of other people have taken it. (laughs) That's where I'm standing on on all of it.
0: So doom and gloom, what is a small business going to do? Uh, Tell us about some of the good news or some constructive news or something that a small, medium-sized business can do today in this environment, now, obviously it's August. It's a little bit slow. It's always a little bit slow in August. And you know, are we going to see some kind of an uptick in September, October timeframe? Are folks going to do more of uh, more of the um, uh, face-to-face business? I know online business is doing phenomenal. Amazon just hit a two-trillion-dollar mark. Uh, obviously, they're they're doing extremely well. Um, and they, they employ a lot of people. They, they, they help a lot of small businesses as well, you know, who are selling stuff. that are through Amazon and so forth. But can we actually see some uptick in small, medium sized business interactions in the same way that we've, we're used to?
1: Well, I think for one a lot more people are aware of the small businesses in their community now than they have ever been and i think that's an opportunity for small business owners particularly as we're coming up on the holidays i mean i do think the holiday shopping season is going to be much earlier this year so if you are planning on doing a holiday promotion i i would say be promoting it by october 1st because i think by thanksgiving it's going to be a wrap they're they're really worried about people being out or willing to shop a whole lot after November 25th. So I think you want to plan at least six to nine weeks earlier than you normally would, which means you should be buying, you know, inventory, thinking about shipping supplies and all this kind of stuff now, order it now. If you, if you've got the cash, I think that one of the good things that's come out of COVID is that small businesses who have never been eligible for SBA loans are now able to get them because of, Um, the emergency so there's two ways you can do that Um, certainly through the EIDL program the emergency industrial disaster loan program there are still loans that people got everyone got the little you know $1,000 per employee, but then you could go back in and actually get a loan. There are also um, SBA 7A loans that are still available. I believe they're available through September 24th. So if you have never, ever gotten an SBA loan, you should get it. If you qualified for a loan, you should take it. You're never going to be able to borrow money this cheaply and have 30 years to pay it back ever in your life. So take the loan, get the loan, and then use the loan to reinvigorate and, and frankly, reinvent your business. I think the, the good thing about what's going on right now is it really has separated the wheat from the chaff in terms of people who were not really having a business that had a specific um, unique value proposition. Those businesses will not survive. I think right now it is really about how to become really focused on your niche and really communicating with your customers and really finding out what your customers future needs are going to be not just what their needs are right now if you're worried about right now you're already too late i think you've got to think you've got to talk to your customers and find out what they're going to need down the line and position your business to be that resource and that solution when they get there
0: um very disturbing statistic that you brought up just now is that number of um, uh, African-American-led businesses and minority-led businesses will never go back to being in business. Um, What impact does it have on the overall economy, number one, especially in the urban areas? And number two, is there a program that we can anticipate towards the end of this year or early next year to maybe invite those folks back Maybe it's loan programs, maybe it's uh, community-based programs, or something like that. Educational programs to invite those folks back to consider being an entrepreneur again, and to consider, you know, going back into business.
1: Well, it's really going to take um, specific grant dollars, I think, to bail people out. I, I, I think at this point, um, you know, people didn't have emergency savings, people didn't have uh, emergency money. For their business. They didn't have a contingency fund in their business. So when COVID happened and their business had to shut down or their business all went away for three and a half months, they couldn't survive. They they couldn't even pay their mortgage or their rent. And even though there were some companies, some mortgage companies have been very generous to people, you know, six months, nine months, forbearance and stuff like that. If you're renting, you don't have those kind of options. And we know that there are not as high a number of African-Americans that own their own home. So a lot of them got caught up in this sort of like, whether or not your landlord was a good guy or a bad guy and whether or not they got the money to, you know, subsidize themselves so that they didn't have to, you know, be evicting people and stuff like this. So I think people have real world problems. And unless we get grant programs that are well-funded enough, there's been quite a few grant programs that have come out specifically earmarked for black owned businesses, but every single one of these pools of money have been undercapitalized. So they cannot come close to satisfying the need. So I think unless there is, um, you know, training, Access to opportunity and access to capital. I think I don't think you we're going to be able to get these businesses back. I think they're done.
0: Very sad, and very um, obviously, it's very sad for, for not just for the business owners, but it's very sad for the rest of us because the economy, as we know, depends heavily on small, medium-sized businesses, not just the large corporations that are driving the economy, drive the GDP, you know, and so forth. Let's switch oh. gears. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, small businesses create 70 to 80 percent of the net jobs in America. So if small businesses go down, where are people going to work? I mean, I think that's why the unemployment rolls are so big, Um, although corporations are going under, too. So we've got a lot of corporations laying people off. But by and large, those unemployment numbers are people who were, were working for small business owners and, you know, it's really, really a tough situation. We've got almost 40 million people without a job right now. That's really scary. And, but what I like about it is these people are going to have to consider entrepreneurship and they probably have had entrepreneurial ideas and they're ready to start trying to develop them. And that's why I hope I can stand in the gap as the small business lady and be a resource to them so that they can build a business that's not just a necessity business, but a business that's actually can be a real business that could scale someday.
0: Uh, Let's talk about Small Biz Lady. Uh, You've done business not just domestically, but you've also done business uh, with international companies as well. I have. Now, I don't have to tell you that the relationship that we've sort of built or not built over the past uh, three or four years uh, has been uh, kind of uh, upsetting, right? So the question is, what do we say to our international partners or international suppliers? or you know in the food industry in the service industries in the logistics in shipping you know in uh goods and so forth you know aside from china which is a whole you know other topic to discuss sure. but europeans asians uh, south american companies canadian companies what can they expect from um united states of america especially small medium sized business partners you know in the next you know 20 you know 2021 or at the end of 2020?
1: Well, I think that a lot of sentiment will change after the election. I think depending on how the election goes down, then we just have to pray that there is a change in America that, um, I think that immediately we will go about being perceived very differently. But I think that, you know, when it comes to small businesses, Supply chains have been deeply affected because of COVID. And even though things have started to open back up, it's still, you know, you can still be delayed getting some of your raw materials and inventory from around the world. Certainly not just China, although China is a huge trading partner with the U.S., but certainly people getting stuff out of Mexico, people getting stuff out of South America. You know, there's a lot of challenges still to small business owners. Um, I actually have a client that manufactures Candles and aromatherapy sprays, and they were they were trying to get eighty thousand units and spray bottles for an aroma spray. and it was extremely difficult. They had to call you know vendors all over the country just to get eighty thousand units. So there's still a real supply chain with people trying to get things to do business, but I think everyone has to be patient and everyone knows what's going on. It's a global pandemic. So hopefully people will not have such unreasonable requests. But also too, this goes back to you want to have two vendors that do everything so that you're not handicapped by one. Um, But I think what we want everyone to know around the world is that small businesses in America are still very much interested in doing business. And we want to partner and more people than ever are collaborating on deals and partnering and bundling things together. So I think that, Small business owners that are exporting as well as importing goods, they are still in that business. And it doesn't matter who's running the country because all money is green. So I think that's what people need to know about us.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the supply chain some more. Um, we have a situation with China. Uh, it's it's not an easy one to solve. Um, we're in the midst of a very difficult trade war Um a small, medium-sized business is looking at their traditional suppliers from China, from Asia, and China specifically. Mm-hmm. What can they do to start planning for a second source, for a U.S.-based source? Um, you know, Maybe it's a Canadian source. Maybe it's, some, you know, maybe it's somebody on the continent or something like this. But what, what is the plan here? What is the plan for small, medium-sized businesses, depending or relying on, on the supplies coming from China traditionally?
1: I think everyone has started to look for alternatives and trying to get things from China. And I think that that started in March and I don't think it has let up yet. I think that there are people that have just had to wait until China got their act together and got back open. But I think even if China gets open, there's just all this business with the tariffs and the delays on docks and stuff like that. So it's still very difficult to get product in and out of China, even if even if things are great. So I think that Everyone has been looking for alternative vendors. One of the things that I always suggest to small business owners is that they really look at their trade association in their industry and call up other businesses that are bigger than them and find out who their suppliers are, if they're willing to share, if they have any excess inventory that you might be able to buy off of a larger vendor. You know, people, I think, are a little bit more willing to help each other right now because they don't know when they're going to need help. So I think that it's an opportunity for people to pick up the phone, make a friend, and hopefully, you know, try some people out before it's crunch time. Like if you know you've got big orders coming for holiday, then you definitely want to be talking to people now, testing people out now, you know, trying to see how long it takes them to ship things so that you will know so that you don't, you know, have to put a stock out sign on your website, which is kiss of death at Christmas time. So...
0: Absolutely. Now let's separate the product-based businesses and merchandise-based businesses from service-based businesses.
1: Sure. Well, service-based businesses have probably benefited the most from from COVID because they are still been able to do business. Because if you do business over the phone and the computer, it doesn't matter where you are. And so I think that um, the real issue has been how much empathy you have to show for your customers and really kind of understand where customers are. I know a lot of people in corporate America are suffering. People have been asked to take pay cuts to keep their job layoffs have happened. And so it's not as easy to reach a prospect over the phone with them ready to talk. I think you can reach everybody because everybody's home. Everybody's in one place. I mean, there's a few people that have gone on vacation, but not a lot of people. So I think you can still reach people. But I think for if you're a B2B company, the thing that you've had to do is think about how you can add value, additional value, without adding price. And you have to be realistic that you're not going to get the same dollars that you were getting pre-COVID. You just aren't because... Everybody's hurting, and I think if you have an honest relationship with your customer, you can get them to tell you what their real budget is. That's a better place to start than you know sending a proposal that you is like a lead balloon that's not going to land anywhere. It just doesn't make sense if you outprice yourself in the market right now. So I think B two B businesses have had to be um, tighter, slimmer, add more value, and maybe even be thought partners for free with customers just to show they care, just to show the empathy you know, so that you can build loyalty long-term because things are going to come back. Things always come back. But you definitely want to be put yourself in a position to be a resource, to be an invaluable resource to your customers.
0: Love your energy, Melinda. Love your enthusiasm and your optimism. And uh, I also think that we will come back in uh, you know large metropolitan areas, in suburbia, absolutely. Now, let's talk a little bit about this movement or this sort of hysteria, almost, in large cities, you know, in New York City, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Boston, and so forth, folks are leaving the city. Uh, Folks are leaving the urban areas. Um, Is this real? Is this going to uh, continue in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of this type of a movement? And what impact does it have on small, medium-sized business?
1: Well, I think it always hurts big cities when, when, you know, wealthier, more successful people flee to the suburbs. You know, they called it white flight in the 80s, right? I mean, I think that people going to the suburbs, leaving the cities is a grave disservice to the cities. And we do not want to have a bunch of abandoned cities. Uh, We also don't want to increase poverty. Um, You know, as being in Philadelphia, Philadelphia is the largest major city in America that has massive, Poverty. We are the poorest big city in the country. And you know, COVID has pulled the wool back from all of that. And now everyone knows food insecurity is an issue, food deserts, um, you know, getting being able to get fresh fruits and vegetables and things like that. You know, and you really want to think about the future school districts where schools are gonna get revenues from and stuff like that. If everyone leaves, you're just abandoning the city and, and starving the city of, of resources. And this is even more true because corporations that are in the city by and large get huge tax abatements. So they're not paying taxes. The taxes are being paid by the citizens that have homes in the city. So people leaving, that's a problem, you know, for major cities that are always cash strapped anyway. And so you're going to see more things like tickets, you know, aggressive ticket writing and, you know, infractions for all kinds of things because they're going to turn, um, you know, punitive taxes into, uh, you know, revenue sources. So y- you want to think twice about what you're doing and how it affects not just you, but how your actions affect the overall community. If we had more people that thought that way, then we could all work together to make sure that schools are funded equally and things like that so that services are the same in the suburb as they are in the city. People are leaving the city because they're not getting the same level of service. And that's unfortunate.
0: What do you think should the governments do local governments, municipal governments, borough governments, uh, mayors of the cities such as New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, Dallas, you know, and, and the list goes on and on? What should the governments do vis a vis small, medium sized businesses to, uh, you know, I mean, in, they're in a very difficult spot, right? They need to collect taxes, they're losing tax revenues tremendously. Major corporations, you know, risk of leaving them uh, or them leaving the city, um, broken leases and so forth. So what can they do? If you were in the local government today in the um, in the city council and so forth, what would be the um, the uh, the next step?
1: I think that they have to do more to support businesses and not keep raising taxes on businesses, but instead figure out how they can give people you know, small tax incentives to stay in the city, to employ people in the city. I think if you can connect it to job creation, I think that that's something that really could work. Um, I think that we have to do more to get people opportunities. I mean, I think cities should do it better with their spending and they're, you know, making sure that they have diverse vendors and that the that the diverse vendors that they have, maybe they might be subcontractors to prime contractors. Make sure the prime contractors are doing the right thing. Make sure the prime contractors are actually paying their small business vendors, because we've had a lot of that here, particularly in the construction industry. You know, people work on big stadiums and then wait nine months to get paid, yeah. All that stuff is crap and and, and it goes on in the construction industry for years and years and years and really affects people in a bad way. So I think if you are in government, you've got to look at how the government spends its money. I think you have to look at making sure that people are able to pay their workers and pay themselves. And and those are the kinds of things that I think they can affect. They can affect most how their, their cities and governments spend their money and make sure they're spending it. Equally with you know small businesses and large
0: company. Awesome. This is some great great conversations and great uh, tips and uh, great uh, pieces of advice. Um, let's talk a little bit about your work with women specifically. Um, if you're a young woman today, leaving um, you know graduating from college, uh, which is we just had a, a very recently graduation, um, you getting into the market post COVID or during COVID. I mean, I think mean, we, we, we still have some spikes in the cities, uh, uh, in the, all the major cities across the United States. But if you're a young woman, what should you do? What is your advice to our audience?
1: Well, if you um, are just graduating from college, it is my prayer that you actually did two or three internships while you were in college so that you actually have some work experience on your resume. What I'm scared of is some of the students who I have heard from who have no experience, did not do one single internship while they were in college and hope to get a job. If that's the case, you need to go get your master's now. You need to re-enroll, go get your master's so that you can leverage that to get some actual work experience so that you have something of value to offer. You know, just being a college graduate, I mean, that's not enough. You've got to show some initiative. you got to show how resourceful you are. I mean, being a college graduate just means you're teachable. It doesn't mean you can think. So you want to put yourself in positions where you have to think and that you can give an example of how your resourcefulness got yourself out of a jam. There are still people hiring right now. There's lots of companies still hiring people. So do not get discouraged and think that because the job market is down, there are no opportunities. There actually are, but you have to make sure that you have a good story to tell about you and what you really want to do. Whenever young people try to interview with me, I'm always like, okay, what's your big picture? What do you want to do? And, well, I kind of, that is not the right answer. You need to make sure that you can articulate, I want to be a director one day, or I want to be a CMO one day, or I want to own my own business one day. Now, see, that's something I can work with. Well, I don't know, I'm kind of interested in business, that's not an answer anyone wants to hear. So you wanna be really clear that you know what you wanna do and that you can communicate it effectively to make someone want to not only give you a job but mentor you to help you get there.
0: Melinda, we're so blessed to have you on the show. I would love to invite you to come back uh, in the near future. Uh, By the way, we will be posting uh, on the landing page dedicated to you, we'll be posting a lot of information about your books about your business, about Small Biz Lady. And we always love to talk to you about some of these tips and hacks for small and medium-sized businesses. A lot of useful information. Thank you so much. And great to see you again.
1: Thanks so much, Alex. I'll come back
0: anytime.